Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, the 29th of December, 2020. I think we're all aware of the potentially restorative powers of a good breakfast. I can even think of a day last week where I slept in a little bit, but I woke up to the smell of bacon that my wife was clearly cooking downstairs in our house. And that's when I knew it was going to be a great day. But no breakfast we've ever had compares with the breakfast that we see in one of our final readings in the Bible here in 2020 from John chapter 21, what I like to call the last breakfast, right? We, We are all familiar with the Last Supper, the night before Jesus was crucified. Well, here's the last meal we know of him having with his disciples, a breakfast cooked apparently by Jesus Christ on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And we pick it up here. We're looking today at Revelation, or sorry, John 21 verses 1 through 14. And it begins with Peter uh, saying, let's go, I'm going fishing and people going with him. And I've always understood that to be more than just, hey, I need, you know, we're waiting for Jesus. I need something to do to pass the time. It seems that the disciples, even in light of the resurrection, it seems that there is some still hesitation on on their part. And I think Jesus is going to do some work in this chapter to encourage them and to strengthen them and to prepare them for what is to come. Clearly, we're going to see that tomorrow with the Apostle Peter, uh, just a conversation that Jesus is going to have with him. But I sense uh, a bit of uncertainty about the future from the disciples and Peter going back to what he knows, what he knew before uh, following Christ as one of his disciples, going back to to fishing, what, what used to be his profession. And I think what we see in this chapter is Jesus coming and gently encouraging and restoring the disciples and strengthening their faith in him. And this stands out to me in a few ways. One, through kind of an obvious throwback uh, that happens in this story, a powerful reminder. We read here that that those that go fishing, they don't catch anything all night. And, And then... Uh, A man who is Jesus, but they apparently don't know this yet, it asks him if they have any fish and they say no. And he says, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now, this is an obvious throwback to when Jesus called some of these men to be his disciples and how they had talked of catching something all night. And Jesus tells them to throw their net on the other side and they bring in this great catch of fish. And it's a miracle that Jesus uses to get their attention and to prove himself to him. So in doing this, I think Jesus is giving them a powerful reminder of the original call that he gave them when he called them to be his disciples. And obviously at this point, they realize that. They realize that this person on the shore is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter, kind of in his typical uh, fashion, right? He just throws on his garment and just jumps into the water. Uh, The rest of the men more sensibly row to the shore. But even then, we, we see something. Jesus is not just reminding them of his call. He's also showing them his power, Right? This was an incredible catch of fish. And it even kind of brings out to them that even though there was 153 fish, which apparently to them was, was a lot, their nets 
we're not torn. So Jesus even provides this miraculous, this abundant provision, and even protects their nets from tearing, right? And so Jesus reminds them, hey guys, I'm still Jesus. I I can still do amazing things. I can provide for you. I can protect you. I am in control. And then I think we also see just kind of a, a personal touch um, of Jesus's provision for them, right? It says, as they come out on the shore, they see a fire and fish already laid out on it, right? That, that Jesus has prepared a breakfast for them here in this moment. So I get the sense that the disciples, at least however many of them were a part of this, are a little discouraged and uncertain at the beginning of this chapter. And Jesus comes and he gives them kind of a personal reminder of his call. He gives them a powerful reminder of what he can do and his um, ability. And then also he just kind of provides and cares for them and provides them uh, this meal. I doubt there was any bacon served at that breakfast. Uh, if we just understand, you know, unclean and clean foods, and at least how it was understood at that time, we still see Peter. He's going to learn that lesson in the, the book of Acts. Uh, but Jesus provides this fish breakfast for them. And I think it's something that was really meant to encourage them. And I hope as we read it, we're encouraged by this story today. And I don't know if you're feeling just uncertain or discouraged today, or even as we're really getting close to wrapping up uh, this year of 2020, but I hope you're reminded just of the call that Christ has made on your life. And I hope you remember how Jesus called you to be one of his disciples. And I hope you remember that Jesus has the ability to provide for you, just as he provided this amazing catch for the disciples and he even protected their nets. He has the ability to provide for you and he cares for you. I don't I doubt he's going to show up this morning and cook you breakfast, but, but he cares for you in a personal and, and, and delicate way. He, he is the good shepherd and he provides for us. He looks after us. He is near to us. So I want you to look at this story from the disciples today and their interaction with the risen Christ. And I want you to be encouraged just in your own life about how Christ has called you and his amazing and continued power to provide for you. Now, the rest of what we read today is, again, as we're getting to the end of the year, a lot of our readings in the prophets and in the book of Revelation get us thinking about the future. And I think that's what we're going to see as we look at Zechariah 10 through 14. Zechariah 10 through 14. Now, chapter 11, we see even some prophecies related to to Christ, I believe, and how he was rejected and even how he was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. But then chapters 12 through 14 uh, begin a a new section. Even you notice at the beginning of chapter 12, chapters 12 through 14, um, you see it says the oracle of the word of the Lord concerning Israel. It's kind of beginning a new section. And, And this section, 12 through 14, I think all clearly points to future things that still have yet to happen. I think it's really focusing on the return of Christ. And I think we even see uh, some of how God is going to, in this time, really transform the Jewish people. We see in chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 10, how they're going to look on him whom they have pierced and they're going to mourn for him. That I think they're really going to understand what Christ has done and what the sin and the rejection of Christ, what that, how serious that really was. And even that there will be weeping, 
right? A weeping that comes from a, a true understanding of sin and something that we will see when Christ returns. But also we get a sense of victory. We see nations gathering against Jerusalem and we see God providing this, this victory in Jesus returning and standing on the Mount of Olives and even changes of waters flowing out from Jerusalem and all the armies of the world being destroyed in a new kingdom where the Lord is king. And I think that should all get us thinking about the future. And again, that's something that can be hard to understand sometimes, and it can be hard to really identify every detail ahead of time. But I think we do clearly see so much through what we've been reading. Jesus Christ is coming back, and he will come as a conquering king. And we need to look forward to that day. And I think we get a sense of that looking forward to that day as we turn to Revelation chapter 22. And in Revelation chapter 22, we're kind of continuing to talk about the new heaven and the new earth. We see in this big city that we talked about yesterday, there will be this river of life and these trees um, and the lamb and the throne of God and all of these different things and the tree of life. And again, a description of what an amazing place it will be. And we're reminded, Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy of this book. And that's where I think we start to see we should be challenged. If we know that Christ is coming back and we know that he will reign on this earth, we need to respond to what he has said. And even as we wrap up the reading in Revelation 22, there's a very interesting verse. Verse 11 says, let the evildoer still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. That's a confusing verse because you're like, um, shouldn't the evildoer stop doing evil and shouldn't the filthy person stop being filthy? Um, well, in some sense, yes, right? And we clearly see calls to repentance all throughout scripture. But what I think is saying here, and if we remember even just that this book was written to churches, right? I think it's a call really to God's people to keep doing the right thing. Even though we'll look out and we'll see evildoers and we'll see filthiness in the world, God is calling us as his people to do what is right. He is calling us in the midst of an unholy world to be holy. So no matter what the world is doing, as God's people, he is calling us to be doing what is right and for us to be doing what is holy. And I think that can be uh, an interesting challenge for Christians, even as we think through looking out at the world, because we do look out at the world and we see evil and we see filthiness. And as Christians, that shouldn't be ignored. Um, and those are things in, in the ways that we can, we should oppose. But also as Christians, we need to realize there are problems in our own lives, in our own homes, in our own churches that we need to be vigilant against. The only, not the only threats to the church in this world are coming from outside, from the, the secular and godless world around us. We need to guard ourselves. And that really has to start with each and every one of you. As you wrap up this year and begin a new one, are you resolved to do what is right? Are you walking in holiness or are you letting ungodliness creep into your own life? So while we must be vigilant against 
the world, well, that really needs to start in our own hearts, realizing so much of that can creep in. And, and, and the world has a very willing ally still in our flesh. And so we must be careful. And as we consider the fact that Christ is coming back, may that be a powerful reminder to us to walk in righteousness and to seek even in a new year more than ever to pursue holiness and to make that a great calling in our lives. Finally, we look at Psalm 149, and these last several psalms are just uh, really a crescendo, just kind of a grand finale of praise, uh, so much praise being called for to give to the Lord. And today's psalm, I do think, is connected even as we think about the return of Christ and the reign of Christ. And even in Revelation, we uh, see it talking about uh, believers and Christians reigning with him. And I think we get a sense of that towards the end of this psalm today, which begins with a call to praise and singing to the Lord a new song. Verse 6 starts to get interesting when it says, Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands. Uh, that's an interesting call to worship, right? Why do they have swords in their hands? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the judgment written. And I think some of that is talking about the role that saints will play in as Christ returns and conquers. The, the, there is some role for God's people in that and in the kingdom that is to come. And I think we see glimpses of that in Psalm 149. But let us end with just the call of Psalm 149 to praise the Lord. Let's praise the Savior who, as he reminded the disciples at that breakfast, it, that's the same Savior we're trusting in. And, and he can provide for us. May we remember our call to him. And may we look forward to the day when he will return and he will reign. And in the meantime, let us all praise the Lord. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.